Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Revisited, and I am your host with the most is the informative JD, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a rare Thursday night edition of Wrestling Revisited, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you're doing very well on this glorious night, however, if you will, however. It is Thursday, February the 8th, 2018, 2-18-18, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, and we welcome you to the best show as you usually hear on Tuesday nights, but tonight, however, because of a preemption earlier this week, however, we have decided to push it back a few nights to Thursday night. One seven two four 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 seventy forty four caller ID one three nine nine two six pound, and you can join us right now. I am your host, as I said, the Iceman Jared Drama. Hopefully, King NWO Gerard T. Smith will be joining me live in just a few minutes here on the show, as we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. So, folks. Sit back, uh, put your feet up, however, if you just had dinner, however, uh, just unwind by listening to us, however, if you're having dinner with us right now, you picked a good night to join us here on our Time Machine show that you can hear each and every Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen, but tonight, like I said, it is preempted because of a minor uh, occurrence that happened earlier this week. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our moments tonight, and we've got some great moments to talk about tonight as we take you back once again into our beautiful time machine, how I can give you the scoop in more ways than one. With that said, however, let's tell you about what happened, however. First off, however, as we take you back, ladies and gentlemen, to the year 1983. Yes, folks, 1983. And the venue, of course, is one of the most unique venues in all of history. It hosted a couple of Starcades, however. It also hosted many house shows, however, for a long time. But unfortunately, this building is no longer in existence. The building I'm referring to, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than, believe it or not, the legendary Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. And the first event we're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, happened early on Thanksgiving Day, that day of 1983. Later that night, we saw what happened in Greensboro, North Carolina, with the very first ever Starcade, known as a flare for the gold. But earlier in the day, however, for fans in Atlanta, however, who were looking to get their early Thanksgiving meal and grub on, however, before the big main course, however, later in the evening, which would change wrestling as far as we know it, however, 12,000 people packed into the Omni that day, however, to see an exciting, exciting show. And with that said, we will tell you what happened on that show. 
As we said, however, ladies and gentlemen, it was held earlier in the day in front of 12,000 people, however, compared to 16,000 that would pack in later that night, however, at the legendary Greensboro Coliseum. Some big names, however, definitely, however, who would later make an impact in the Crockett Federation, however, of the NWA, however, the late 80s into the 90s, however, and people who would go on to other things besides the Crockett's, however, would be on this memorable show, and we will tell you what happened on this particular day. Again, later that night, we saw some historic matches at the Greensboro Coliseum, but it was on this day, however, in... 1983, earlier in the day in Atlanta, that we also saw some excitement, too. With that said, here's what went down. In the first round of a $50,000 tournament to decide who would be the top tag team, however, in Georgia Championship Wrestling, which was still the part owner of the National Wrestling Alliance, or Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, it was King Kong Bundy and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, who would later go on to be superstars in the WWE, taking on the team of Tommy Rogers and Joe Lightfoot. As a result, however, King Kong Bundy and the Anvil, of course, were big enough and laid down the hammer by basically lighting themselves into the next round, if you will, however, as they ended up defeating these two gentlemen, however, against Rogers and Lightfoot. Next, however, in another tag team, my thoughts on the match, good opening match, definitely got the crowd talking and was worth mentioning. Up next, Butch Reed, another wrestler who would be big big impact in the late 80s in the WWE and also in the mid-80s with Mid-South Wrestling, a.k.a. the Universal Wrestling Federation, if you will, however, teamed up with Pistol Pez Watley to take on the team of Randy Rose and Jim Randolph. Randy Rose, of course, would later go on to be a member of the famed Midnight Express in the mid to late 80s, however, but on this night, however, the Hackman himself and Pistol Pez came in ready guns a-blazing, however, and started chopping down their adversaries, if you will, no pun intended, however, by defeating the team of Rose and Randolph. Next, the Bruise Brothers with Jimmy Hart, who two years later would be showing up in the WWE, however, defeated another unique team of Nikolai Volkov, who would later go back to the WWE, however, to team up with the Iron Sheik, however, in the mid to late 80s, however, and Korsta Korchenko, if you will, in the final opening round tournament matchup of the first round, if you will. With that said, that is what happened there. Next, however, Ron Garvin and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, if you will, defeated Sheik Donovan and Bobby Brown. Garvin, of course, would be known as the man with the hands of stone, and of course, less than 10 days after this memorable fight, however, would have quite a battle, however, with, of all people, believe it or not, none other than... Jake the Snake Roberts, who we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, however, Randy Savage and Magnum TA, a very unique pairing, however, defeat the Mongolians, however, to move into the next round, if you will, however. Meanwhile, however, in the semi-final round, however, it was Butch Reed and Pistol Pez Watley taking care of King Kong Bundy, if you will, however, mind you, and Pistol Pez Watley marching their way to the final, if you will, by taking on King Kong Bundy and Jim Neidhart. Again, three of these four gentlemen would be later on showing up in the WWE, however, if you ask me. Meanwhile, the Bruise Brothers with Jimmy Hart, however, definitely left some welts, however, on the man with the hands of stone and hacksaw Jim Duggan on this night by also punching their ticket to the semis, if you will, however. And as a result, however, they defeated the team 
of Garvin and Duggan. Meanwhile, however, in the consolation round, however, it was Randy Savage and Magnum TA that took third place by knocking out Jimmy Hart's Bruise Brothers, if you will, as they took home the third place honor. But in the final, however, Butch Reed and Pez Watley punched their ticket, however, by basically defeating the team of Randy Savage and Magnum TA and thus winning the whole championship and 50 grand on top of it, however, by becoming the new GCW Tag Team Champions. Uh, quite an exciting tournament to say the least, considering there was a lot of tournament matches throughout the day, however, on this day, however. And uh, as we said, we had a lot of interesting adversaries. Uh, teaming up with each other. Randy Savage and Magnum TA, Ron Garvin and Jim Duggan, King Kong Bunny and Jim Neidhart, Butch Reed and Pez Watley, Randy Rose and Jim Randolph, the Bruise Brothers, the Mongolians, uh, King Kong Bunny and Jim Neidhart. Uh, nevertheless, a very unique uh, tournament, to say the least. In other action, however, in women's action, it was Debbie Combs, however, making it a simple as easy as pie, however, no pun intended, if you will, by having a good day by defeating Donna Day, however, her adversary in this matchup. Meanwhile, speaking of Jake the Snake Roberts, it was Jake the Snake Roberts who was managed by Precious Paul Ellering around this time, however, taking on Mr. Wrestling 2. Mr. Wrestling 2, of course, a year later would go on to a feud and team up with Magnum TA, however, if you will. But on this day, however, it was Jake the Snake Roberts, however, coming through in a big way, however, by defeating Mr. Wrestling 2. Meanwhile, the national heavyweight champion, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, if you will, took on Brett Wayne Sawyer, if you will, and as a result, he retained his championship here by defeating Brett Sawyer. And in the main event, ladies and gentlemen, it was Wildfire Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer, however, the lunatic, if you will, taking on the road warriors of Hawk and Animal, if you will, who earlier in the summer of 1983, however, had made their debut, however, by coming by way of Minnesota, if you will, however, led by Paul Ellering. The Road Warriors, of course, would later make on a big impact in the mid to late 80s, if you will. But on this night, however, here in Atlanta, they would uh, try to get a chance to become a big name in a big-time uh, atmosphere, if you will. And as a result, they came up a little short, however, despite putting up a good fight against Wildfire Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer. Overall, not a bad show, however, here in Atlanta. Again, the big surprises, of course, is that we saw Jake the Snake Roberts and the Road Wars, who were a big, pretty big unit together as a big brand team, if you will, around this time, however. And on this night, Paul Ellering, however, went one out of two, however, with his team, however. The first being Jake the Snake Roberts picking up a big win over Mr. Wrestling 2, of course, here on this night. And unfortunately, the Road Warriors, however, mind you, however, uh, who were at the time the national tag team champions, however, knew that Tommy Rich, however, mind you, however, and Buzz Sawyer were going to come after them and try to take their titles. Unfortunately, the titles were not on the line on this night, however, in Atlanta, however. But nevertheless, however, that would be a different story 10 days later, however, when unfortunately the Road Warriors were forced to defend those titles yet again, however, in the Omni. And this time, however, unfortunately, suffered a setback along the way. But on this night, however, Tommy Wildfire Rich and Buzz Sawyer the Mad Dog were definitely uh, blazing here in the Omni. No pun intended, if you will, however, ladies and gentlemen as they defeated Hawk and Animal and uh, made their statements known that they were coming after the national tag team champions, if you will. And as a result, this turned out to be a big win for Rich and Sawyer. 
Now, before we continue on, ladies and gentlemen, just a quick reminder, coming up tonight at 9 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out Wolfpack Radio, 138521-POUND. Uh, very exciting night indeed, however, of course, Julian King, NWO, and the Iceman giving you the latest news headlines and updates of what's going on in the world of wrestling today. Also, ladies and gentlemen, John Gross will have your birthdays and dates, however, in history, so be sure to check that out. And also, ladies and gentlemen, after what happened last night, however, we will have a rematch. Yes, folks, however, there is going to be a rematch on the table, and here is the story about that. Last night, the Iceman and the Black Widow had a big contest with one another to decide not only one belt, but two belts, the AWA US title and the NJPW Heavyweight Championship. Well, after what happened last night in a hard-fought battle between the Black Widow and the Iceman, the Black Widow has decided to sink her fangs into the Iceman once again, and let's just say strike a little bit of venom into the Iceman by giving him warning. The question is, however, has the Iceman accepted? Well, we can tell you right now from talking to him personally, however, he has accepted the challenge. And coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen, once again, in a rematch of sorts, the Black Widow tries once again to go after the AWA US title and the NJPW belt, as there will be a rematch on the table, however, set forth by the Black Widow. And as a result, we can tell you after talking to the Iceman this afternoon, however, the Iceman has told me firsthand he is cool, calm, and collected, and he is looking forward to the challenge tonight. So, folks, tonight we are going to have a rematch of sorts, however, as once again the Black Widow and the Iceman will battle it out to see who will be the true AWA US and NJPW champion. Be sure to check that out tonight, ladies and gentlemen, at 9 p.m. on Wolfpack, ladies and gentlemen. It is going to be an exciting show. And you can bet it is going to be very, very entertaining. As a result, however, uh, we will tell you more about it here in just a little bit. But the caller ID for that show is 138521-POUND. Be sure to check that out, ladies and gentlemen, coming up at 9 o'clock tonight, ladies and gentlemen, here on Talk Shoe. Now, uh, getting back to the Omni for just a minute before we get into our next moment, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you right now that the Omni was a very, very historic building back in the day. It used to host the Atlanta Hawks. It also hosted the Atlanta Flames hockey team, which then moved to Calgary, Alberta, Canada, of course, in the early 80s. It also hosted a lot of great events, including Starcade, 1985 and 1986, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before uh, doing one more Starcade in the late 80s, however, if you will, uh, in 1989, of course. That being said, of course, it was torn down in the mid-90s after hosting, like I said, a lot of events for 20-plus years. Not only did Georgia Championship Wrestling have a stranglehold, no pun intended, however, on this particular building, but at one time or another, the WWF back in the day, however, also had a chance to host a few events here. And that is where we're going to take you next, ladies and gentlemen, as far as our next moment goes. And this time, we're going to take you back now, ladies and gentlemen, to less than a year later, ladies and gentlemen, to November of 1984. The same night, however, that once again, the NWA hosted Starcade. This time, however, the WWF was in town, however, and four days before that, however, the Georgia Championship Wrestling Federation, which would later be changed over to the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, or the National Wrestling Alliance, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, hosted a show there in the Omni. Now, oddly enough, as we said, ladies and gentlemen, the first moment that we talked about earlier tonight, ladies and gentlemen, was held, of course, the same night Starcade was held in Greensboro. Of course, the big main event that night, ladies and gentlemen, however, 
in Atlanta, of course, was Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer taking on the Road Wars. While on the other side of the coin, however, over in Greensboro, the big main event there was held between the world's heavyweight champion, however, Harley Race, however, the seven-time champion taking on Nature Boy Ric Flair, who was looking to get the NWA belt back for a second time after being brutally attacked earlier in the summer by uh, Race's uh, somewhat cronies, if you will, of Dirty Dick Slater, Greg the Hammer Valentine, who at one time had attacked... uh, uh, Rick Flair and had been a teammate of his back in the mid-70s, if you will, and also ace cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Unfortunately, however, in the middle of September, however, all the promoters, including Vince McMahon Sr., Vern Gagne, Eddie Graham, and yes, even Jimmy Crockett, were all putting bids in to see who would get the uh, rematch and who would host the city as far as the return engagement between Race and Flair. Flair, of course, had lost the title in early June of 1983, however, on a questionable decision in Race's hometown of St. Louis. And now Flair was looking for payback and redemption, if you will, however, on this particular night, however, in Greensboro, his hometown, if you will, in trying to get back the belt. The question is, however, would he do it? Could he do it? Also, if that's not all, we also had some unique uh, matches on that memorable Starcade of 83, including the tag team extravaganza between the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry, who were rotating between Georgia Championship Wrestling and also Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, if you will, around this time, taking on the duo of Ricky Steamboat and also Jay Youngblood. And also, of course, the big match that everyone was talking about after this memorable night, how not only the race uh, bound, uh Flair match got attention, but this one also got specific attention. The dog collar match between Hot Rod, Roddy Piper, and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oddly enough, of course, this was a matchup that had a very serious implication of the U.S. title on the line. Piper did win, but he did not capture the U.S. title, oddly enough, on this night, but did get a little payback on Valentine after Valentine tried to bust his eardrum open, however, earlier in the year, however, in a memorable fight between the two of them. As a result, later on, Piper will lose 50% of his hearing because of this matchup and said that this was one of the most brutalist matches of his career. The two of them, referring to Piper and Valentine, along with Steamboat, however, two years to the day after this happened, however, would all be working together in the WWF and Vince McMahon Jr., who had taken over the company uh, from his father, if you will, at around this time in late 1983, early 84. Sad to say, Vince Jr.'s uh, father, Vince Sr., Vince McMahon uh Seniors, we said, ladies and gentlemen, would pass away tragically and sadly in the summer of 84 at the age of 66, however, of stomach cancer. He was a very unique promoter, of course, according to a lot of people, but was also a very hard-nosed guy and ran the business uh, very sternly, if you will. And he was not the only one who ran his promotion sternly. There were other people, including Jimmy Crockett Jr., a.k.a. Big Jim Sr., who was Jimmy Crockett's dad, uh, that ran the National Wrestling Alliance, of course, back in his time, Jim Barnett. Paul Bosch, and of course, Fritz von Erich, along with Vern Gagne. Now, speaking of 1984, ladies and now we're going to take you back to November of 1984. And this time, ladies and gentlemen, it's the WWE in town at the Omni, ladies and gentlemen. And we will tell you who was on this show, however, as we will fill you in on the competitors here on this night. In the first match of the night, it was Mr. Wonderful, Paul Ornor, taking on Abe Jacobs. And as a result, Mr. Wonderful ended up picking up the win. Orndorff, of course, had made his debut earlier in the year of 1984 after being uh, with the Crockett's for a couple of years, if you will. And on this night, however, unfortunately, however, he would end up uh, going off to the WWE, if you will. 
Up next, ladies and gentlemen, the Iron Sheik, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, folks, the former WWE champion who earlier in the year had lost the title to Hulk Hogan, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, uh, in Madison Square Garden, was looking to get back on the scene and try to get back his title. Would take on a guy who tragically and sadly one year later would pass away at the age of 30, however, due to a heart attack. And that was quick draw Rick McGraw. As a result, Sheiky Baby ended up picking up the win here on this night. Meanwhile, the junkyard dog who had come by way of the Mid-Atlantic wrestling territory, however, down in Louisiana just a few months before, made his Atlanta Omni debut, however, on this night, however. And as a result, however, he took on the Frenchman arrogant René Goulet, the man with the glove, if you will, and as a result, picked up the win. Meanwhile, Brett the Hitman Hart in one of his first early appearances here at the legendary Omni, of course, took on Les Thornton, and as a result, however, the two of them battled it out to a draw. Meanwhile, IRS, Erwin R. Seister, Mike Rotundo, if you will, took on Luscious Johnny V, if you will, however, and as a result, defeated him here on this night. Meanwhile, Mr. Wrestling 2, however, defeated Brutus the Barber Beefcake, however, who earlier this summer of 84, however, had made his WWF debut here on this uh, particular night, however, made his debut also in the Omni that night, however, and as a result, he defeated the Barber by DQ. Meanwhile, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, one of their final appearances, however, as far as an in-ring competitor goes, however, fought one of the last matches here in the Omni, however, on this night, one year to the day, literally after fighting in Greensboro for the tag team titles, this time would take on the spoiler and Terry Gibbs. As a result, the Briscoe brothers came out victorious here on this night. Meanwhile, however, Sergeant Slar, however, ladies and gentlemen, yes, folks, the Sarge, however, who one month before um, had... Uh, Lost by disqualification, however, to Nikolai Volkov would rematch with Nikolai on this big night, however. And as a result, the two of them ended up fighting to a no contest. But speaking of surprises, ladies and gentlemen, Hulk Hogan was not on this night, ladies and gentlemen, surprisingly. As a result, however, Hogan chose not to wrestle on this particular night, but he would fight the following month, however. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. As a result, however, uh, on this particular night, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff was pulling double duty instead of the champion Hollywood Hulk Hogan. As a result, he would compete in a battle world that included Rick McGraw, Jack and Jerry Briscoe, Mr. Wrestling 2, Barry Windham, Black Jack Mulligan, Chief J. Strongbow, the junkyard dog, Kamal the Ugandan China, who was making one of his first early appearances in this Omni on this particular night, Rene Goulet, The Spoiler, The Iron Sheik, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Johnny V, Terry Gibbs, Bruno Martino's son David, who at one time was known as Bruno Jr., if you will, competing in a battle world. As a result, how at the end of the night, Paul Warner became Warner became $10,000 richer, and as a result, he picked up the win by winning the battle royal here on this night. So... That being said, a very unique night. Unfortunately, however, only 4,800 came out to see this show, however. But unfortunately, the following month, however, it would be very interesting to see what would happen, however, as Hulk Hogan, yes, folks, the man who earlier in the year had shocked the world by returning to the WWE and defeating the Iron Sheik for the WWE title, wrestled Mr. Wonderful Polendorf, the winner of the Battle World, just particularly on this night, ladies and gentlemen. And the question was, however, could the Hulkster, who had been champion pretty much all year, however, find a way to end 1984 and begin 1985 with a bang by holding on to the belt? We would soon find out, oddly enough, however, when these two would go on against each other on Christmas night in front of 5,500 here at the Omni. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, the WWE, however, continued their uh, run of the Omni, however, for the next little while, however, and as a result, however, they would do so, however, until... 
I believe, however, the summer of 1985, however, before WWE decided to pull out at the last minute, however, and go back to doing most of their territorial places like Boston, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Richmond, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Syracuse, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, that whole thing. But that being said, folks, once again, it turned out to be a very unique show here on this particular night, however, as 4,800 packed into the legendary Omni to see uh, this show here in the Omni as the WWE actually made their first appearance, however, should I say uh, their third appearance, if you will, in the Omni as they had actually made their debut only one month before by hosting back-to-back shows, however, within three weeks of each other. And this turned out to be the third show of this uh, particular brand. Again, WWE, of course, would continue to run uh, the shows here in the Army like Georgia Championship Wrestling had done until the summer of 1985, however, before pulling out. As a result, we will tell you what one of their final appearances were like, however, uh, eventually down the road sometime here coming up on Wrestling Revisit, and we'll tell you when that is here in just a little bit. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's give you the number again, one seven two four 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 seventy forty four. 444 7044 caller ID 139926-POUND. This is episode 106 for February 8th, 2018, ladies and gentlemen, 21818, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And I am your host, the Iceman, Jared T. Usually we have Gerard T. Smith with me here as my Doc Brown to my Marty McFly, but unfortunately due to circumstances beyond our control, unfortunately the Doc is not in tonight, and unfortunately uh, we want to wish Doc... Uh, our best tower. He is under the weather as we speak, however, and he has told me firsthand that he hopes to be back with us hopefully next week, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, there you have it. Uh, the question is, when will the doc return? Well, we can tell you right now, after talking with the doc earlier today, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you right now that, uh, believe it or not, he told me firsthand that he hopes to be back with all of us next week, ladies and gentlemen. So, folks, uh, we just want to wish uh, the doc from myself and the rest of the gang here on the show uh, nothing but the best. And hopefully he'll be back up and feeling better very, very soon. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue on with our Time Machine show and tell you about another great moment. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, you talk about another great moment, ladies and gentlemen. We will tell you about it right now, ladies and gentlemen. And here is what it was. This time we're going to take you back, ladies and gentlemen, to... uh, If I can find it here. I just saw it a few minutes ago. Bear with me, folks. Ah, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Believe it or not, we're going to take you back to July 1985, ladies and gentlemen. And it's actually going to be held, uh, believe it or not, on the 4th of July of 1985, ladies and gentlemen, as 13,000 people packed into the Omni, however, on this particular day, however, to see another great action of Jim Crockett Promotions. As a result, however, we will tell you what was on this show, however, that had a lot of people talking, and give you our thoughts here as we go along. So with that said, here's what we got for you. Beautiful Bobby E. and Dennis Condry, the Midnight Express, how are making their debut here on this night, how are taking on Brett Wayne Sawyer and the Italian Stallion. No, not Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone, the other Italian Stallion, however, if you will. And as a result, they defeated them here in tag team competition. Meanwhile, Thunderbolt Patterson defeated the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, by disqualification. Meanwhile, the current national tag team champions, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, uh, who back in the 70s were known as Ole and Gene Anderson before Arn Anderson came into the fold, however, uh, now were known as the new Minnesota Wrecking Crew, however, referring to Ole and Arn. As a result, they defeated the Sawyer brothers, a buzz and bread, as they literally ran a buzz saw through them and basically chopped them down to size, no pun intended. As a result, however, this turned out to be a big win for Ole and Arn here on this particular day. 
Meanwhile, the man with the hands of stone back in action once again, ladies and gentlemen. Rugged Ronnie Garvin, of course, taking on Black Bart, a.k.a. Rick Harris, if you will. As a result, this turned out to be a no contest. Meanwhile, Crusher Khrushchev and the current NWA Tag Team Champions, Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Meanwhile, however, Ivan, of course, at one time had been a WWF champion, Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion back in the 70s, and also had been managed by Captain Louis Albano along with Freddie Blassie. Uh, during his career, and who sadly we lost less than a year ago this week. However, mind you, we're in action, of course. And, of course, this would be the, the debut, I believe, of Nikita Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev as teammates however, on this day. However, took on Dirty Dick Slater, Pistol Pez Watley, and Cowboy Ace Bill Cowboy Ace Bill Watts, if you will. Yes, folks, um, Bill Watts, who would later go on to run his own company, and who in the 90s, of course, would run the WCW for a short time, of course, would team up with Pistol Pez Watley and Dirty Dick Slater on this night, taking on the Russian duos of Ivan and Nikita Koloff, the big bear, and his somewhat uh, cousin, if you will, of course, Ivan Koloff, a very, very big guy, if you will. Back in the day, we had seen uh, these uh, two guys, of course, the year before at Starcade, challenged the Rock and Roll Express in a steel cage match, in which the uh, Koloffs, of course, had lost the titles to the Rock and Roll Express, only to get him back later on down the road, would find a new partner and friend, however, in the form of Crusher Khrushchev, like later on down the road. Of course, Crusher, would be known as Demolition Member, Smash, if you will, a.k.a. Barry Darso, the Repo Man, if you will. As a result, these uh, three gentlemen would be competing in a six-person tag against Dirty Dick Slater, Bill Watts, and Pistol Puzz Watley. And after what had happened just literally 11 days before, however, in a champion versus champion matchup in which uh, the U.S. champion Magnum T.A. took on Ric Flair and had defeated him by disqualification, Ric Flair was looking for revenge this time on Magnum T.A. and got it, however, despite some help, I'm sure, from the Anderson brothers, if you will. And as a result, however, he ended up pinning Magnum T.A. here on this night. Now, oddly enough, of course, later on in 1985, of course, we would see a very unique uh, encounter between Ric Flair and uh, Magnum T.A., however, along with uh, Nikita Koloff that set up, of course, the big match that would uh, decide who would uh, face Ric Flair at Starcade 1985 in late September of that year. And uh, we will talk about that moment here in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. But just a quick reminder, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow night, Wolfpack, or excuse me, not Wolfpack, we will be back tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, Revolution 138521-pound. Also, ladies and gentlemen, this coming uh, Monday, ladies and gentlemen, Raw Radio will be back on the air at 3 p.m., 138-10-44-pound. Be sure to join myself, John Gross, of course, the human suplex machine, the Rouse Lincoln L. Patel, King N.W. George T. Smith, the Black Will, Michelle Lynn Dodds, of course, uh, Mr. Boss, W7 himself, Chad Hinshaw, and of course the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie, as well, as we have a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Believe me, we're going to have a lot to discuss. So definitely check it out this coming week, however, beginning at 3 p.m. And the caller ID, again, as I said, is 138744-pound, and that'll be getting this Monday at 3 p.m. Also, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out the Power Hour this uh, coming Saturday at 5 p.m., 141364-pound. As we go over the latest downloads and reviews of the past week's activities, that's coming up this Saturday. Be sure to join Mr. WCW and myself, along with whoever else comes on the line, and we will talk a lot about what a week it has been in the WCW Radio Network. So that is coming up this Saturday, beginning at 5 p.m. Now, as we said, folks, we have a couple more moments to talk about, however, in time that we're going to take you back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to stay with 1985, if you will. This time, however, instead of going to the 4th of July of 1985, which, by the way, wasn't a bad show, if you ask me, we're going to fast-forward the time capsule a little bit and go ahead into late September of 1985. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, here is what happened 
on that night in front of 12,000 people in the Omni. Buddy Landell, of course, took on Denny Brown and defeated him. Of course, Buddy Landell, one time known as the so-called nature boy trying to mock Ric Flair, the world champion, and being matched by J.J. Dillon, of course, would uh, have one of his last uh, moments of glory here on this particular uh, night, if you will, and as a result, defeated Denny Brown here. Meanwhile, however, Abdullah the Butcher, yes, folks, Abdullah the Butcher, one of the craziest guys you ever want to meet, who later on would own a rib and Chinese joint in Atlanta, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, took on our good friend Mr. Michael Sam Houston on this night, and as a result, defeated him here at the Omni. Meanwhile, Cowboy Ron Bass, a guy who we had lost tragically and sadly less than a year ago, took on uh, a guy who he would later become teammates with and later feud with, however, Black Bart, if you will, a.k.a. Rick Harris, if you will, and as a result, he defeated him here by DQ. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, Ron, Ronnie Garvin, of course, uh, and Terry Taylor, if you will, took on the national tag team champions, Ole and Arn Anderson, however, to see if they could get a piece of gold around their waist. Unfortunately, however, if you will, the Andersons would make an impact later in the evening. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. But as a result on this night, however, they ended up fighting both Garvin and Taylor to a draw. Meanwhile, the current NWA, ladies and gentlemen, TV champion Dusty Rhodes would defeat the Barbarian. Of course, Dusty Rhodes would also be a big factor on this particular night. And we'll tell you more about that here in just a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, the ongoing feud between the Rock and Roll Express and the Russians, however, continued, however, and on this night, however, Ricky and Robert, of course, were looking to rock and roll all over the Omni, and as a result, they did so, however, but unfortunately, won by disqualification here, defeating Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Meanwhile, Magnum TA, however, who had lost the U.S. title less than a month before, however, in a very questionable decision, however, by many, however, in which he threatened NWA President Bob Geigel, if you will, took on Tully Blanchard, however, the new U.S. champion, and his perfect 10, the baby doll. As a result, Magnum and Tully ended up going into a no contest. However, it would be two months later, however, that the two of them would settle their difference in one of the most epic, bloody steel cage matches of all time in Greensboro at Starcade, if you will, however. And as a result, Magnum would regain the title from Blanchard, however, in that particular night. But on this night, however, Magnum T.A., who at one time... Uh, had been the U.S. champion, only to lose it less than three weeks before this show, however, in a very questionable decision, mind you, however, took on Tully Blanchard, the new U.S. champion, who had won the title by, uh, let's just say, uh, uh, shenanigan, shenanigan ways, if you will, thanks to his perfect 10 baby doll in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, however, was looking to uh, hold on to the U.S. title referring to Blanchard, while T.A. was looking to get the belt back around his waist. Unfortunately, this not be the case on this night, however, and as a result, the two of them would settle their differences a few months later in a very bloody, very intense, very graphic uh, steel cage match, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. And as a result, the two of them would end in a no contest. But here's where things got interesting, ladies and gentlemen. In the main event, Ric Flair would take on Nikita Koloff in a steel cage match. Flair, of course, had defeated Koloff only literally three weeks before, however, in a lumberjack match in the main event. However, this is where things got interesting. Crusher Khrushchev, however, who was with Ivan and Nikita Koloff, began to double-team Ric Flair. Shortly thereafter, Dusty Rhodes came out to make the slave and got the Russians out of the ring. Then, next thing you know, Ole and Arn Anderson come out and lock the cage behind them as they help Flair triple-team Rhodes, with Flair eventually hitting a knee drop off the top rope onto Dusty's ankle as Ole and Arn decided to hold Dusty down. 
Flair then applied the figure four on Rhodes while Rhodes was yelling and screaming in pain. Shortly thereafter, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, Magnum T.A., Sam Houston, and others came out to try to make the save after the cage door was opened. Flair and the Anderson quickly got out of there, however, and headed to the locker room while the other guys tended to Rhodes, including David Crockett as well. Now, the story about this, and this is very weird, however, is what happened shortly after this as well. From what Arn Anderson said, however, particularly, however, on the Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen DVD about that memorable night, however, in Atlanta, it took them literally 30 minutes to walk 50 feet from the ring to the locker room because the fans were so livid and angry at Rick, Arn, and Ole, however, not Tully, who had not yet joined the group along with J.J. Dillon, but Rick, Arn, and Ole for what they had done to Dusty Rhodes, however, mind you, by breaking his ankle, however, they were absolutely ready to riot in the Omni. That's right, riot. Unfortunately, however, two months later, however, the feud would continue, however, between the two of them, and then they would finally settle their differences, however, in the squared circle, however, on Thanksgiving night at the gathering between the two of them. And as a result, however, Dusty ended up beating Ric Flair, however, despite outside interference from Arn and Ole Anderson. At the time, however, Rhodes had been congratulating the ring by a number of guys, including the same people we had just mentioned, that had helped Dusty out of the ring after having his ankle broken just two months before, as well as superstar Billy Graham who had seen the light, however, after being a heel for quite some time, however, yet again, he had turned back into a face. Unfortunately, however, referee Tommy Young, however, who's one of the bigger officials on in the NWA around this time, however, along with Jimmy Crockett, announced, however, that Flair had indeed won the match, however, Rhodes had indeed won the match, but he did not win the title, unfortunately. As a result, however, the title was later returned to Flair due to the controversial finish that would later be known as the Dusty Finish. Fans once again were irate and livid about this whole thing about what had happened, however, involving Ric Flair and the Horsemen, and demanded justice. Rhodes would get one final crack at Flair, however, mind you, and the title somehow, someway, this time in Flair's hometown of Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina, which two years before, however, had eluded Dusty, however, after losing a million dollars and the title and a chance to win it, however, at Starcade 84. Rhodes would win the title, however, in Flair's hometown the following summer, however, of 86, however, only to lose it back a week later, however, to Flair yet again. But nevertheless, when it came to Dusty and Ric Flair, these two guys were always my favorites to watch. I mean, these guys had some great battles, whether it be in a steel cage, a six-man tag, an eight-person tag, a tag team affair. It didn't really matter. Whatever city town you were in, they always found a way to give the fans what they wanted, whether it be places like Richmond, Washington, Baltimore, Philly, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Chicago, uh, Miami, Tampa, Orlando. It didn't really matter. These guys could travel up and down the road all over the place, and they would always find a way to give the fans what they wanted. And like we said, on this particular night, how in September of 85, how it was very unique because this would eventually set up the big return rematch between Flair and Rhodes that was called The Gathering, and as I later called it, Flair Rhodes 2. Speaking of Flair and Rhodes, however, we have one final moment of the night, ladies and gentlemen, and we're so glad that this one, however, uh, is going to make you excited because, believe me, this is going to really excite me to say the least as well, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll tell you about that moment right now, ladies and gentlemen, as we will tell you about it right now. The event, ladies and gentlemen, was held on July 4th, 1987. That's right, 
July 4th, 1987. And of course, that night is synonymous because for the very first time, the NWA would feature a unique event, however, that would be an event like no other. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, however, we will tell you about it right now, ladies and gentlemen. It was simply called the Great American Bash. And of course, here is what happened on this night, ladies and gentlemen, that was very unique, however, in more ways than one. With that said, here's what happened. 13,500 once again packed into the Atlanta Omni, and it opened up with a Michael Hayes concert and featured a David Allen Coe concert as well. With that said, uh, before the show started, however, the fans were treated to an exciting event, nevertheless, however, and they were looking forward to... Uh, seeing what would be very exciting on this night. And like we said, ladies and gentlemen, this would be an event like no other, ladies and gentlemen. And believe me, by the end of the night, however, people would find out, however, that this event, however, would change history as we know it. With that said, here's what happened. Kendall Wyndham, the brother of Barry Wyndham, of course, pinned Gladiator number one, Gary Royal, the Bulldog, inside of five minutes. The Stinger, Steve Borden, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I believe, was getting his first look-see here on this night, however, taking care of business, and as a result, he pinned Thunderfoot number one, a.k.a. Joel Deaton, with a flying fist drop inside of five and a half minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jimmy Valiant, meanwhile, the boogie-woogie man, however, if you will, however, was back in action here on this night, pinning Basher of the M.O.D. squad, a.k.a. the Mod Squad, with a roll-up inside of five minutes. Meanwhile, the UWF Western States Heritage Champion, Barry Windham, however, who would, of course, make an impact, however, later on down the road, of course, would pin Rick Steiner in a non-title match in five minutes with a cradle Steiner attempted a power slam from the apron into the ring, however. Meanwhile, the UWF Tag Team Champions, Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner, would defeat the UWF World Champion Big Bob and the Angel of Death inside six minutes when Horner pinned Angel. Meanwhile, Chris Adams was also getting a tryout here on this night, and as a result, he would defeat Black Bart by a reverse decision inside of four and a half minutes, however. Bart had originally won the pinfall after using his brain air, but Sting came out and told the referee what happened. Bart and Sting would start a feud with one another shortly after this happened. Meanwhile, however, the Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Jack Roberts would take on number one Paul Jones in one of his final in-ring appearances, the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff and Manny Fernandez in four minutes when Gordy pinned Jones with an elbow drop. Meanwhile, the Tag Team Champions, the Rock and Roll Express, would defeat the U.S. Tag Team Champions, the Midnight Express, however, by disqualification in a title-versus-title match after Tommy Young found Bubba's hat and sunglasses in the ring after Bubba had interfered behind his back and dropped more with a sidewalk slam. Of course, Bubba was better known to you all as Ray Trailer, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man. In the semi-main event, Dr. Death Steve Williams with Magnum TA defeated Dirty Dick Murdoch, however, with Eddie Gilbert in a Texas Death Match in eight minutes when Murdoch failed to get to his feet after Williams had hit Murdoch with the cast on his left arm as he came, Murdoch came off the top rope. Afterwards, Wilbert, Williams hit Gilbert, Gilbert with the cast, but was assaulted from behind by Murdoch uh, with, the, uh, with Murdoch, if you will, uh, wheeling a steel chair. Magnum then gave Williams his cane, with Williams hitting Murdoch with a weapon and clearing him from the ring. Magnum, of course, had been injured, as you know, the year before, and his career had tragically ended in a very serious car wreck, however, the previous year. Of course, that had happened less than a month before Starcade 86, the night of the Skywalkers, if you will, in which, uh, at the time, many people thought Magnum and Flair would meet one-on-one for the biggest prize of them all. At the time, Magnum, of course... Uh, 
as we said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, was one of the top baby faces along with Dusty Rhodes, among others around this time. But sad to say, and tragically, however, his career would be cut short, however, and his in-ring ability would be cut short as well, however, mind you, because of a serious car wreck that happened in the early fall of 1986 as he was coming back from a house show. Uh, Magnum tells the story that it happened when he was coming back uh, literally five minutes from his house one night, however, and his car hydroplaned across the uh, on one of the road tower, and as a result, his car and pretty much uh, his life flashed before his eyes, no pun intended. As a result, he broke the C4 and C5 vertebrae that paralyzed him from the neck down and would keep him immobile for quite a while, however. He would return, however, in the spring of 1987 after being in the hospital for quite a long time, however, and despite the fact his in-ring career never was the same after that, however, Magnum is still one of the most unique guys in all of wrestling, however, and is still very much... Uh, considered a very unique person to this very day. Uh, as we said, uh, as a matter of fact, however, when uh, Dusty Rhodes tragically and sadly passed away a few years ago, I know uh, for a fact that Magnum was one of the first people, along with Dusty uh, Ric Flair, uh, that uh, gave a very heartwarming but a very heartbreaking tribute to the great Dusty Rhodes, however, and had a lot to say about that. But uh, back then, like we said, folks, uh, Ric Flair, of course, uh, was still the man, if you will, and the guys who were chasing after him were guys like I've mentioned before, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum T.A., Sting, Ronnie Garvin, among others, however, if you will. But on this night, however, Magnum T.A., however, had made his first return to the ring ever since the auto accident, if you will, however, on this night, if you will. And as a result, had plenty to address uh, as far as what had happened on this particular evening. Speaking of Dusty Rhodes, ladies and gentlemen, Dusty Rhodes was in our main event, ladies and gentlemen, and you can bet, however, that once again, Anytime Dusty and Flair, however, touched Howard, it was always magic. Well, on this night, it was definitely magic because it was very exciting, to say the least. As a result, Dusty Rhodes teamed up with his, well, let's just say his new friend and somewhat close friend, if you will, the Russian Bears' uh, cousin, if you will, Nikita Koloff, Hawk and Animal, and yes, even Paul Ellering. Yes, folks, Paul Ellering donned the tights once again here on this particular night for the first time in quite a long time, taking on the four horsemen of Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Lex Luger, as well as J.J. Dillon. Luger, of course, had uh, taken the place of Ole Anderson after Ole Anderson had been given the boot by the horsemen and had been physically beaten up, power by the horsemen, if you will, including their newest member, Luger, however, in the spring of 87, if you will. As a result, however, Luger tried to uh, uh, not get beat up by Ole Anderson, who which Ole had uh, actually criticized Luger of joining the group power. But as a result, Luger uh, didn't want to hear any of it, and neither did the rest of the horsemen. As a result, they put the boots to Ole, however, mind you, after Ole had criticized some of the members of the horsemen because of this. As a result, J.J. Uh, Dillon ended up giving up his teammates, however, on this night, however, as Road Warrior Hawk stood on his throat at basically after basically being driven to the mat with a shoulder breaker that literally broke his shoulder in half and was forced to wear a cast for the next several months because of this. As a result, this would turn out to be the most uh, very unique match of its time. It would later be called the War Games uh, because of this, however, involving the members, if you will. And like we said, folks, it was a very intense match. It was a very uh, straight-up uh, brawl, if you will, let's just say. Uh, on this night, however, as a result, however, uh, it was very unique, let's just say, in a lot of ways. And as we said, folks, it definitely changed wrestling as we know it. Uh, having said that, mind you, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I have had a chance to go back and watch this match many times over, however. And i got to say, it was one of the most intense matches you'll ever want to see. 
very unique, very uh, charismatic, if you will. Let's just say, so uh, that being said, that's what I thought. So there you have it, folks. A lot of great moments over the years, however, from the legendary building known as the Atlanta Omni. Again, the Omni, of course, uh, has hosted many great events over the years, ladies and gentlemen, however. Uh, like we said, however, it was around, of course, in 1972, of course, it hosted a lot of events. It was around from 1972 until July of 1997, which tragically and unfortunately then was forced to close, uh, let's just say, and demolished later on. Uh, and it hosted a lot of events over the years, of course. Uh, like we said, uh, a lot of big-name events have had been held there over the years, including uh, the 1977 Final Four, the 1978 NBA All-Star Game, uh, Starcades 1985, 86, 89, as well as the first uh, ever uh, Great American Bash uh, War Games match in 1987. It also hosted, of course, a lot of WWE events, however, for a time, however, and was also the home of the Atlanta Hawks, however, as well as the Atlanta Flames hockey team. Uh, they also hosted a lot of other events over there uh, back in the day, let's just say in Hotlanta, GA. Uh, in fact, one of the very first people that uh, was very famous of playing in uh, the Omni, however, was Elvis Presley, who performed there 12 times between 1973 and 1976. Uh, Frank Sinatra three times played there. The Rolling Stones played to a sold-out crowd in late July of 1975 as part of the Tour of America 75 tour. Um, let's see, who else played there? Uh, looking here, Van Halen first performed there. Believe it or not, in November of 1978 there at the Omni, if you will. So, like I said, folks, the Omni definitely had a lot of rich history, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, as you know, uh, as we said, ladies and gentlemen, it was located at 100 Techwood Drive in Atlanta. Uh, it basically broke ground in March of 71, opened to the public in October of 72, and uh, sad to say it closed tragically and sadly, however, Literally uh, 25 years later, ladies and gentlemen, in May of 1997, and then two months after that was demolished, however, after being around, however, uh, for close to 25 years. So, folks, uh, definitely very unique history, to say the least. Again, it was around less than a quarter of a century and had a lot of great moments, to say the least, however, so... It was a very unique place, to say the least, no doubt about it. And like I said, it hosted a lot of great events uh, over the years, however, including, as we mentioned, Starcade four different times, the last being in 1992. Uh, but in the 80s, however, it hosted uh, Starcade three times in 85, 86, and 89. It also hosted, uh, of course, as we said, the WWE, doing their venues there a couple times. However, ladies and gentlemen, I know for a fact that... Uh, they were very unique, however, in hosting their events there, however, uh, quite a bit over the years, as we said. Uh, of course, a lot went down there, as we mentioned. Uh, they used to have a lot of Thanksgiving Day shows there in Atlanta, I know, as well as later on in Greensboro. Uh, like we said, folks, uh, of course, the very first event ever, believe it or not, I believe, was in May of 73, I want to say May of 73 or Sometime in the fall of 72, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm going to check this out to be sure. And like we said, uh, some of the other events that happened, as I mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, happened in uh, July of 1987, of course, with the big war game show. 
13,500 packed into that show, as we mentioned, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, the big show in September of 1985, which, of course, will lead into Starcade. Two months later, 12,000 people packed into that venue. Of course, that was the night when Ric Flair took on Nikita Koloff and saw Dusty Rhodes uh, try to save Ric Flair before being triple-teamed at the hands of Ivan Nikita, Crusher Khrushchev for a few seconds, and then later on, however, Ole and Arn Anderson came out and locked the cage behind him as they helped Flair. Triple-team Rhodes will eventually... Flair hitting a knee drop off the top rope to Rhodes' ankle as Anderson's held him down. Flair then went on to apply the figure four while Rhodes was screaming in pain. As a result, Ricky Moore, Robert Gibson, Magnum T.A., Sam Houston, and others tried to come in to make the save after the cage door was literally busted open. Flair and Anderson's eventually got out of there while the other guys tended to Rhodes. Of course, two months after this, of course, and less than three weeks before Star came, 85, uh, Flair... Uh, uh, did deal with Rhodes, however, on a uh, face-to-face basis. However, and, of course, this would set up their big match that would uh, be settled, of course, at Starcade in late November. As a result, Rhodes was uh, eventually the victor on this night, however, despite the interference from Ole and Arn Anderson. Afterwards, Rhodes was congratulated in the ring by a number of superstars, including superstar Billy Graham, but the title was later returned to Flair due to a questionable finish that would later be known simply as the Dusty Finish. Uh, as a result, however, Flair would end the 1985 calendar campaign by facing off with Rhodes once again. And just like he had done the year before, <coughs> excuse me, not the year before, the month before, however, uh, Flair had won, did win the match, however, through questionable means, if you will. Unfortunately, the two of them would continue their feud going into 1986, however. As a result, however, uh, Flair, of course, would defend the title, however, in his hometown of Greensboro, if you will, however, the following year at the Great American Bash. As a result, however, mind you, we would see what would happen between those two, however, and that was when Flair ended up losing the title, only to get it back a week later in the steel cage. So there you go, folks. A lot of uh, things happening right there and there. So there you have it, folks. Again, a lot of great moments from the Omni, however. We hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening in tonight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a very unique uh, perspective, if you will. Uh, we try to give you the best show that we do every week. However, uh, don't forget, uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back on our normal time slot at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night, uh, unless something comes up again. We'll let you know more about that, ladies and gentlemen. But in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's give you the number again, 1-724-444-7044. Call ID 1399256. Six pound, yes, I was right there. Sorry about that, folks. And you can join us right now. Uh, again, don't forget the big title match tonight, ladies and gentlemen, between the Black Widow and the Iceman. Uh, we will definitely uh, have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, tonight. However, like I said, however, we will definitely uh, give you our thoughts. However, mind you, however, a lot to talk about. So, folks, uh, thank you for joining us here. Excuse me, sorry about that, folks. I had a sneeze there. So, folks, uh, like I said, folks, we're going to um, uh, definitely uh, have a lot to talk about tonight, ladies and gentlemen, so be sure to check that out, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, on that note, of course, uh, we will talk to you here in just a little bit, of course, uh, as we take you out tonight. However, we want to play a little uh, late 70s music, if you will, and this is from the movie 54, starring Ryan Felipe. Uh, Mike Myers, Selma Hyde, Nev Campbell, 
and Brecken Meyer. Of course, it is the story of uh, the most famous dance club in all of the world. That was a big thing back in the late 70s, Studio 54. And uh, to take us out for our song tonight, we're going to turn up the sound a little bit for Jimmy Bohorn with a little spank. So, folks, we hope you enjoyed the tune. We will talk to you again here at 9 o'clock. We hope you have a good night, everyone. And so for now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Iceman saying so long from ringside, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, everyone. And as always, God bless. And now, here's Spank. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.